games and gamers together now have the sheer magnitude to be a significant unifying force for the world. If I'm to choose between a greater and lesser evil, I'd rather not choose at all. You are almost a jibble sandwich. Did I ever tell you the definition of insanity? Be better. Check this out. Hello, 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 and welcome everyone to the 332nd episode of the Hungry Gamers Podcast. I'm your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan A. Fitz. And joining me for the THG Residency Series, the August edition, is Australia's finest. You can find him on them socials, at Jono himself. Jono Peck, how the bloody hell are ya? Fantastic, Brendan. You're nailing the intro with the get over here. It's very... Very good to see. It's setting us Thank up you. for Thank you. for perfection. I feel uh, I feel a little bit of pressure every time <laughs> because I know I've got a lot of words to spit out in a very short <laughs> period before that MK drop comes in. So I'm always very mindful, and I'm working out exactly what I can get out in mm. that 10 second intro loop, and then I give it its breathing space. We get that get over here, and then time to go but yeah we are back here for the 332nd time jp and we've got a lot to talk about today we do we do should we get into it we should we should we'll start right here with this listeners the week that was all right jp we're going to talk about what we've been doing this week whether it be watching playing consuming and everything else in between jp where do you want to start this conversation we've got got one similarity we've got one crossover and then the mm. rest of the things we're talking about here is uh very unique and individual you might say yeah let's let's start it off chronologically and go a long time ago in a galaxy far far away Ooh, i like that i am definitely picking up what you're putting down <laughs> here so uh you're referring to the first two episodes that have landed on disney plus known as ahsoka uh, which mm. is very exciting. We see uh, Dave Filoni all over this. He created, wrote this, directed it, produced it. You're looking at the credits it's and like he's Kojima, everywhere. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> you know what? Me I, of, of that. I'm all for it though because I loved, loved, loved what he's done in the Star Wars universe and seeing what they're doing here with Ahsoka, which is a nice continuation of the animated fantastic Star Wars Rebels. Um, I am all in. Like, we only got two episodes. We've got uh, eight episodes in this first season that's going to run through. No confirmation if we're going to get a season two and such, but we've got another six to go so far. But man, I binged these back to back on Wednesday when they dropped, and I was very happy. I was very happy with what they were putting on screen. I thought the acting was great. I thought the soundtrack was especially strong. Like, the music and the use of music was like, hmm. Very powerful. I thought some of the combat was cool. I thought seeing some of these animated characters translate to live action looked really well. Some of the CG at times was a little like, how's your father? But overall, (laughs) man, I'm all in. And like, I love, love, love Andor. But outside of that, I feel this first two episodes overall, I know it's recency bias definitely, but if it sticks with this overall tone, it'll be better than the last season of The Mandalorian and Mm. it'll be miles, miles, miles better than The Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. So did you, are you like a big Clone Wars Rebels guy? I I wouldn't say I'm a big one. I've watched both because not only just getting hassled by by friends of ours regularly about (laughs) them, but also a little bit of FOMO and not knowing 
all these characters and backstories and where it connects into the broader Star Wars universe. I have consumed them both. And yeah, I was, I was nodding along to references, Easter eggs and seeing some of these characters debut in the flesh, so to speak. Yeah. Right. So, so I've seen a good chunk of Clone Wars, not all of it by any means, no rebels, so I was a bit lost watching this show. I feel like they haven't <laughs> they haven't really put down the welcome mat to bring in new you know, new fans of, of Ahsoka. Like if you've only come to know her from the previous Disney Plus series, which you know, we we've seen her on the on the Mandalorian or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then I I feel like you're gonna be sitting there going, Who who's the who's this Who's Ezra? Who's Sabine? Like, who are these people? Yeah. What's established here? Um, it f- feels like it's it's for people that have been following all along the way and have done their research and their homework and they're settling in. So there's really, I mean, maybe it will come. Maybe it's a slow kind of reveal of of that backstory and that history between the characters. But so far, yeah, I'm a little bit lost, and I don't know if that's a good way to do it when star wars is such a broad thing you know it's for kids it's for adults it's for meant to be for everyone or in mm-hmm. you know traditionally it has been they don't have to stick to that kind of format and they've certainly strayed into new territory in the, in the past few years but um yeah I, i'm not completely head over heels i'll say that but it is cool like um rosario dawson fantastic she's a she's great, so great performer she has yeah. such a command of of the the scene every time she's on camera and the performances have been uh, pretty cool and there's been a good bit of action. But um, yeah, I think they, they need a little bit more to get their hooks into me. I'm not uh, as easily won over. Yeah, I'm, I'm such a fan of Ahsoka's character in general. So yeah, I do have maybe some partial blinders on, but you are, you are right. Like I was sort of reflecting on those two episodes as you were just talking about it then and, and yeah there isn't much hand-holding going on so if you aren't familiar with this character or all these other characters because they throw a lot of names and a lot of introductions to new characters very quickly in these first two episodes so yeah i can understand why you could be in a little bit of a tailspin working out who's who and why they're there and what relevancy do they have mm. to this story but yeah i'm yeah. um i'm very excited and uh, even just seeing like ray stevenson as balin he was very imposing in every scene. Like he, he's like a like he's a big man just in stature. But then the way he he plays this character, him and, and his uh, his apprentice um, Shin Hati, they're great on screen and they are bad asses. Like they are running mm. rough shot through through places. We're seeing force abilities getting used around and awesome uh, lightsaber battles and. Yeah, the, the tone for me just checked all of the boxes. And yeah, we'll see if it keeps up this pace and this this momentum. But I feel with Filoni at the helm, we're in for some some good eating here because yeah, he, he embodies Star Wars in a in a big way and the way he's adapted some of these stories to screen, whether it be digitally or now um, in the physical realm, I'm I'm quietly confident that this is gonna be a good uh, a good series. Yeah. He's um one of the most important figures in the Star Wars universe at the moment. So let's see what he can do. Let him cook. Let him cook indeed. But yeah, JP, something else that I have been watching 
this week. Uh, finally, I've I've taken the plunge on a little anime that some people out there might have heard about once or twice called One Piece. It's uh you know a thousand plus episodes deep at Brandon. the moment. It is you don't one need, of the you don't need this. <laughs> You don't need I, I really don't. I really don't. Like, um, yeah, like I, I thought I'd need to give it a go because it is one of the holy grails of anime. And I'm like, yeah. you know what? If I consider myself a true fan, I need to give it a crack. So this past week, I think I'm up to episode 38 now. I've done 38 oh. episodes this week. So I'm, 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 I'm making progress. I'm still like a fraction of the way through to the 1,070 odd episodes that have aired at time of recording. But... I'm working my way through it, but JP, it is tough, man, because this is an anime that first aired in 1999, so that is a long time ago. That's 24 years ago, and Mm. the animation quality from 24 years to now is not the same thing, so I'm having difficulty with that. I'm having difficulty with the characters and the story and the pacing and just the general lack of respect of my time because there is so many backstories and so many things they need to feel that they have to explain, and I understand, like... Oda, who created One Piece, is one of the anime or manga gods of history. So I'm not going to disrespect what he's done here, but it's just not just not meshing with me right now. Like I'm going to keep pushing. And I was talking to to NATO and Dane the other day because they've just set up a, a One Piece specific mm. podcast. Yeah. And I sort of said to Dane, I'm like, when did this hook you? And he was said it was about episode 56. And like, <laughs> on one hand, I went, fuck. 56 episodes i got to watch through to try and maybe get a hook. But then at the same time, like, you know, 56 out of 1,072, that's still not very far in the journey. But I also broke my heart a little bit because I'm like, that's a lot of time I've got to commit to this to hope I can, like, feel the things that people feel with this show. Because right now, I do not. It's fine. I am enjoying it, but I don't (laughs) care about it. So I'm sorry, One Piece fans right now, but I'm just not in. I'm not in it, right now. It must be the like Final Fantasy 13 of anime because it's the old, <laughs> it gets good 20 hours in, you know, yeah. and 50, 56 episodes, if they're 25 minutes, that's probably about 20 hours in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's painful. Like I did shed that solitary tear when Dane said it was around that time where it, like he got it and it was like, yep, yeah, I'm all in, but I'm going to persist and see if I can get that, that hook because yeah, it's, it's, it's big, it's huge. It's a juggernaut. It's a phenomenon it's special and I need to try and understand why the world thinks that way. Cause right now I'm like, yeah, it's fine, but be, be careful what you wish for. If you, if you want it to get its hooks in you, then you've got, you know, another 950 episodes you have to watch. So yeah. Yeah. Which, which is fine. Like if I'm in on something, that's easy. Like I can consume content very quickly, but I'm just on the fence. Like, I'm just like, yeah, I want to go watch anything else. Like I want to go watch some other slice of life anime that's adorable and cute and makes me cry because this is just, it's mid for me right now if mm. we're going to use the hip, uh, hip language of sure. the streets. But yeah, we'll see. I'll keep persisting. JP, you've been watching some other things too? Yeah, I started watching, well, The Watcher. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's not a goggle box or whatever. whatever the, 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 it's not that kind of watching. It's... It's a it's a actually based on a true story. It came out on Netflix last year, and uh, it's about a family that buys this house in the suburbs, moving out of the city to you know, t- you know, get a safer, more laid back lifestyle for the family. And they start getting letters in the mail from someone that's watching them, watching their okay. house that's 
saying very strange and creepy things about their family and about the house and uh yeah it it's it's it actually happened to a family in um New Jersey a few years ago and there was a, it was kind of a bit of a viral thing that was you know getting the conspiracy theories out there about who was sending these letters and makes for a very compelling um series for the most part a lot of mystery around like who could possibly be sending these letters what to believe what not to believe goes down that kind of those horror tropes of someone being in the house and the the creepy neighbors Mm -hmm. and is it the, the 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 love interest of the teenage daughter is it this person is it that person um and unfortunately it doesn't really stick the landing in in that it uh doesn't resolve a lot of those questions which ultimately feels kind of like lazy in the sense of like like you know the show ends and you're like okay well what what explains this thing that happened what explains this thing that happened who sent who did that thing and who who sent this letter and uh to me that really kind of ruined it and that's probably why it hasn't been received completely uh, positively it's kind of sitting right around like 55 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, as we were looking at before recording. So, I mean, I enjoyed the journey of The Watcher because it was kind of on the edge of my seat mystery that I that I um, really connected with. But then mm-hmm. when, you, when it's all kind of in vain and no one, there's no payoff, then it kind of sours the experience, unfortunately. That's a shame. That's a shame. Because, yeah, I've seen it pop up. Like, it always, like, once you watch something of that similar vein, you're going to get, targeted marketing everywhere and i think i first saw it after i watched the latest season of you and that popped up i'm like okay. oh it's got a bit of a similar vibe maybe yep. maybe i want in on this and naomi watts and bobby cannavale great actors but shooter mcgavin's in there too enough. shooter mcgavin's in there yes <laughs> chris i think his name's chris mcdermott or something like that i can't remember he's everywhere he was like, also yeah. in uh secret invasion uh he oh yeah he wasn't because it was not a good time but I don't know which was worse, The Watcher or Secret Invasion. You be the judge, listeners. But yeah, I've I've raised an eyebrow to it every time I've scrolled past Netflix, but I just haven't taken the plunge. And, and based off this uh, very lukewarm review that you've shared, maybe I'm not going to. Maybe I'm going to keep on moving. There is going to be a second season. So if, they, if they're just holding off the, those loose ends for the second season, it can be forgiven for me because I still want to know like who, who was that in the house and why did that you know, radio turn on and all this creepy kind of stuff. Who made that okay. phone call, you know? Because um, at the moment, it, the, there's not satisfactory answers for those questions. But okay. we'll see. I'll give it. I'll give season two a chance whenever that drops. But uh, other than that, I uh, got into some new episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, season, I don't know, 16 or whatever it's up to. I might just quickly check. Um, yeah, season 16. So uh, it's as good as ever. too long. Yeah, no. Brendan, you have to watch this show one day. I know you tried season one. Trust me, if you can watch 50 episodes of One Piece before it gets good, you can watch 12 episodes of Always Sunny. <laughs> yeah, mate, one day, one day. Like it just, I think just those first two or three episodes I watched just turned me off so much. I was just like, nah, I'm done. But I know I need to circle back because so many people we know adore this show and everyone sort of says yes it gets good in season two or season three or wherever it really finds its footing so season, i guess i yeah, need to two. need to give it some time it's just not today. yeah and i know that you're a fan of like many people involved in it so I, just, I know that you would like it like 
we would have serious issues if you gave it a real shot and didn't like it. We'd have yeah. to review some some uh, some some things. Oh, it's very very dark. <laughs> hey, friendships on the line here over yeah, always sunny. It's, it's very very morbid, very serious conversation here. We can still be professionally involved, but uh, you know, might have to. Uh, Taper back on the, the the Christmas card list or something. Oh, Jesus, my, my heart's my heart's a mess right now. We've never seen my Christmas heart cards. is a mess. Yeah, that yeah. Maybe we need to do that. Maybe we need to bring back bring like back the, the art card. of sending Christmas cards around. Maybe maybe we'll workshop that for the end of the year. And we'll do like an eight bit Chris Kringle type of vibe where anyone mm. that wants in can be like just like a five ten dollar like just something fun, a few dollar budget, and we'll, we'll circle it around. I love yeah. the way just workshopping ideas live here as we record. Yeah, you got to have something to to hold over people's head as far as friendships go. You know, but used to, in the old days it was like the MySpace top eight. Like, Ooh, hey, yeah. I'll take you out of my top eight. Going back before that, it was I'm not inviting you to my birthday party. So um, maybe now it can be you're off the Christmas card list. You know. Yeah, even even like I'm surprised that's still a thing. Like in 2023, <laughs> maybe it's like. I've blocked you from seeing my Instagram stories or something. Mm. Like you, you don't get access to that side of my life. You're or what do they call yeah, like the close, close friends? friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Close friends. You don't get the little green bubble around your friend's graphic on Instagram knowing that you're seeing secret and elusive yeah, stories. You're not, you're not in my uh, Twitter circles or X circles. Oh, too many things, JP. Too many <laughs> things. And, and one of the other things I'll quickly highlight, I've started playing in early access. I've gotten provided a key of a little indie gem called Pepper Grinder. So the game isn't slated to be released until 2024, but they've released this sort of early access demo or beta slice that you can sort of experience this game. It's developed by REC and it's published by the legends over at Devolver Digital. And it's pretty fun. It's a 2D side-scroller adventure game where you're alternating between jumping around and platforming and using this drill, you're playing the the lead character named Pepper and you're a pirate that sort of, uh, at least the demo starts where you sort of awaken shipwrecked on this island and these evil fellow pirates and ghouls and goblins have smashed all your stuff up and just want to do you harm. So I guess as Pepper, you're just trying to seek revenge and the way you're going to do so is with your trusty drill and you're jumping around, really simple button combinations as far as uh, you're holding a trigger to to engage the drill and you can use that as a weapon, but also as a drilling device. So there's a lot of like sand and, and soft based environmental elements and you can sort of almost swim through things with the drill. The combat's really rewarding. The control's really simple, but it is complex in a way that made me think of stuff like uh, Super Meat Boy, where you can be dying very quickly if you do make that wrong move. There mm. is enemies that you need to sort of tackle in various ways, certain objects and exploratory areas that are hidden that will reward you with certain treasures but you go, go into the game and it's it's if you're playing like an old mario game where you're on specific worlds and you've got you know one to one to eight levels on that world you work your way through you get some treasure and you can find these special pirate coins per level i think there's five on average per level and you're just flying around with this drill uh living your best uh pirate life and it's it's been fun like the art style is really cool mm. the tone um, offset art style, like even though it's it's a throwback in the graphical sense, it's still like a little got a little bit of metal to it, if you want to say, like horns up type of metal. And um, yeah, I'm enjoying it, JP. Hopefully, uh, you can get yourself a copy of this too. You can play it on Switch. Yeah. I'm playing it on my Asus Rog Ally. 
fantastic on the little rog, but it will also be fantastic on the Switch, I imagine. But uh, yeah, really, really vibing it so far. Put it looks really put maybe cool, an yeah. hour and a half in, two hours in. It's just super fun. Yeah, it looks pretty sweet. I'm just having a look as as you talk about it to give myself some visual comparison. And yeah, it's um it's a great style and looks like a lot of fun. I, I, it's a cool mechanic. The whole kind of grinding through the dirt or the sand mm-hmm. as you put it and, and making your way around the enemies and looks like there's some boss fights and that kind yep, of thing. Yep. And so, some of the bosses look sick. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, super, I'm interested. Super fun. I'm interested. Super Do you know fun. if it's coming to other platforms eventually? Uh, Steam, and, Steam and Switch for now. Mm. I haven't seen anything further. I looked at the media pack earlier and just sort of the general listings and even just talking to the PR agency that sling me a key. Uh, only Steam or PC for now, but I envision this will make its way to to PlayStation and Xbox down the line. But if it's just a, a handheld machine, like awesome, it's it's perfect for um for for yeah, yeah the, the Rog Ally or the Switch, super fun, challenging but rewarding, and uh you know quirky and unique in, in its art style and the the enemies you face. So uh, yeah, give it a look, Pepper Grinder. Very cool. Hmm. What about yeah. you, JP? What have you been playing? not as much um i've been last few nights just focused on watching those shows that i mentioned falling asleep rewinding uh several times to to watch the final six minutes of the typical uh, jp of fashion, hey <laughs> last night i was trying to watch always sunny and uh it was very early for me like it was like 10 30 and i was falling asleep uh i watched the end of it three times i'm gonna have to watch it again today just to make sure i actually <laughs> caught it all <laughs> um it won't be very funny the fourth time i think but <laughs> see like you're leaving me with so many openings here where i could just like uh, take jabs at always sunny I've, with these these stories I fall, asleep and in, I fall asleep in everything like red dead redemption 2 was the first time i remember falling asleep whilst consuming media um as an adult i should say so don't take that's one of my that's one of my favorite games so don't take any any insult to uh <laughs> to that fact but the game that i wanted to talk about i, I didn't really pl- i finished it last week but i didn't get a chance to talk about it so i might as well throw it in here valiant hearts coming home uh do you know what i'm talking about here this is a mobile slash netflix uh driven game right it is it's a sequel to old scale games slash ubisoft valiant hearts back when ubisoft was really involved in supporting indies they seem mm-hmm. to be doing it a lot less now, but they did get behind this sequel to, to Valiant Hearts, War. which is, yeah, it's a fantastic game, Valiant Hearts, a uh, little 2D side-scrolling, I guess, puzzle kind of vibes. It's like, you know, think about like the kinds of puzzles you play in Inside and Limbo where you're like playing as a character and have to find the right item or move, you know, in between the the fire of this war, in, mm-hmm. in between the gunfire to stay alive and send your dog out to to pull up a ladder that you can climb, like it's it's very simple platforming, but it's not really about that. It's more about the way that it, it engages you in these true stories from World War One, um, which is a you know a conflict that we don't often see in video games. It's much easier to portray kind of the action of World War Two and the the gunfire that was uh, involved in that kind of thing. The Nazis, you know, it's a bit more of a a clearer enemy compared mm-hmm. to, to World War One. So, yeah, very interesting the way that it, it 
gives you like the collectibles and the the backstory of these different items that were um, f- found in the trenches and the the areas that were the focus of of that world war and just really pulls on the heartstrings because it it it, it turns it into a human experience as you're following these people over the course of many years and um, being separated from friends or family that are also fighting and being reunited and that kind of thing. So if you uh, if you played the first one years ago, it's definitely worth having a crack at this. It is a mobile game, which, you know, a few weeks ago I was poo-pooing uh, yeah. mobile games but how the tides uh, have turned well jp <laughs> this is this is a show that i'm not coming from a place of bias it's a place of experience because i do think this would be a much better experience if it wasn't built for mobile it, it keeps the gameplay a bit too simplistic for my liking uh which gives it a knock compared to that original valiant hearts and overall you know it is free with a netflix subscription which is one of one of the reasons i was happy to check it out and see it through but um yeah it's it's a uh, if you if you've got that netflix subscription and looking for a game to have on your phone when there's nothing else to do then you could do a lot worse than valiant hearts coming home okay i'll keep that in mind if i'm ever uh in need of a snap game it sounds like it'll be perfect mm. for that where i can uh yeah have the heartstrings pulled as i also pull on the two or three plies <laughs> so uh yeah absolutely we'll add that one to the list as well <laughs> do it Nice, nice. Well, that's, yeah, what we've been up to this week, but let's talk about the things that the broader industry has been doing this week as well. So let's move on to this. News and notes from around the internet, presented by Audio-Technica. Go upgrade your audio game today over at audiotechnica.com. Get yourself some headphones, whether they be in-ear, over-ear, gaming headsets, microphones, turntables, you name it, they've got it. Go get it after you're done listening to this podcast, of course. All right, the first bit of news we're going to unpack, we've titled, Meanwhile, in Germany. The world's largest gaming event, Gamescom, was held in Cologne, Germany this week, with the majority of news coming from opening night live, including a closer look at some big titles releasing over the coming months. Gamescom opened with Bethesda on stage to show more of Starfield ahead of its launch next month. The event kicked off with a musical performance by composer Einon Zur, followed by the unveiling of a live-action trailer. Todd Howard from Bethesda also took to the stage to discuss the studio's vision of player freedom within the game. Later in the conference behind closed doors, Howard showed a teaser trailer for Amazon's Fallout TV series, which naturally leaked online to give fans a little more insight than the promotional image revealed by the Prime Video social media accounts. Filmmaker Zack Snyder also made an appearance, revealing a teaser trailer for his upcoming Netflix movie, Rebel Moon. Alongside the movie, Snyder teased a collaboration with Super Evil Megacorp for a corresponding video game. The movie's release schedule was uh, was disclosed with Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire, arriving on December 22nd of 2023, followed by Part 2, The Scar Giver, on April 19th of 2024. Moving on, Tekken 8's release date was announced for Australia Day, being January 26th of 2024, and a fresh gameplay mode was also introduced. Arcade Quest adds a new layer of excitement to this highly anticipated fighting title. CD Projekt Red took the opportunity to announce the Phantom Liberty expansion for Cyberpunk 2077, which aims to bring significant enhancements to the game. These improvements encompass various aspects from the police system to combat AI. Alongside the expansion, Update 2.0 is set to roll out on September 26th, enhancing the experience for players on PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X slash S. 
The opening night show ended with Remedy's Sam Lake on stage to give a preview of Alan Wake 2, showcasing the first gameplay from the protagonist's perspective in a twisted version of New York known as The Dark Place. The incorporation of live-action scenes was shown to add a layer of depth to the psychological horror when the game releases on October 27th, as discussed on THG this past week. In other Gamescom news, there were also tons of new trailers and gameplay shown for Mortal Kombat 1, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, Assassin's Creed Mirage, Lords of the Fallen, Killing uh, Killing Floor 3, Little Nightmares 3, Sonic Superstars, Quantic Dreams Dustborn, and Quantic Dreams Under the Waves. So JP... We got a ton of stuff thrown at us in very short order on the uh, the the opening night live segment that our friend Jeff Keeley hosted uh, over mm. there in Cologne, Germany, and then obviously the the event is still going at time of recording. We're recording on Friday night of you know the twenty fifth of August, so the event is still happening over this weekend. But we're just tackling things that we know from the last twenty four to thirty six hours. But JP, what's your biggest takeaways? My biggest takeaway is that Jeff Keighley needs to invest a little bit more in security at these events. Uh, I don't know how he could have another stage invader jump up alongside him. It's kind of he, he was so bummed when that happened. It was like, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. <laughs> he, yeah. he, said he, he said he was disappointed like five times. Um, and I would be directing that at the security that kind of just ran up behind this stage invader instead of intercepting them before they got to him. Yeah, and, um, it's it's very disappointing. He did handle it like a pro. Like it yes. didn't derail the show. He kept things going. He didn't break. He didn't hit the guy with the microphone as much as you probably want to. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. Like the, the the security in Germany was very relaxed for for one reason or another. And it's been since confirmed that 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 gentleman that went up on the stage has done this at other events and other like live. Oh types of events not just in the gaming space over the last couple of years so yeah he's a bit of a serial pest so they need to sort of have a bit more of a thorough vetting process to who they let into these show floors for these events but outside of that like it was fine like starfield i think i've heard enough about starfield to to say that i'm in and i'm excited we didn't need another deep dive i've watched the leak leaked uh fallout tv series trailer it ain't the best quality you sort of got to no, squint to sort yeah. of get a clearer understanding of what the hell's happening, but it's the back of the room kind of yeah. shot on the on the phone or whatever, yeah, yeah. So so the image clarity that's doing the rounds ain't the best, but like the tone looks pretty good for what I could see with some of the characters they focused on in this seventy seconds or so of, of trailer. I look cool and I'm excited for it. It's it's awesome that it's coming out next year. Don't know when it just sort of says 2024, but it's nice to know we've got something to look forward to next year on Prime. Yeah, uh, I'm keen to see these Rebel Moon Part 1 and 2 movies because it's pretty much getting billed as like mature Star Wars. Like there's death and sex and lots of violence and stuff. I'm like, all right, let's get it. I'm in. Let's, let's <laughs> do it. Up like, for it. Yep. And knowing that they're going to make a game alongside this, Cool Beans, more science fiction-y, potentially RPG-based games, the better, in my opinion. But I think the biggest one, we talked about this before we, before we hit record today, the thing that excited me the most out of all this, and even though this game's been out for a few ne- few years now, is the Phantom Liberty expansion, this reworking and retooling of Cyberpunk 2077 almost from the ground up where they're, they're sort of changing the skill trees and changing the police and combat and what happens when you do certain things, like new actions to your reactions and vice versa. Like, 
it looks really good. And I'm like, damn, I can't wait to get back into Cyberpunk. Yeah, it's um, for me, it's gonna be, I guess, about three years since we played the majority of that game. I had to kind of play it in two stints because my save was broken and they didn't patch it for about six months. But um, it's almost like because I because I played the PS4 version, getting it with this new shiny paint coat of paint kind of almost going to feel like a new game in some ways or like a, yeah. it's like the remaster like they usually wait 15 years for uh but only had to wait three years so yeah i'll probably pl- play a second playthrough um at some point it probably won't be straight away unless they sling us a code um because i don't think it's a free no, uh, no it's paid DLC, it'll cost it? you about probably 50 bones i'd imagine yes so that the the, sh- the shiny coat of paint is free but the extra content is uh is that little bit extra so yeah interested that the trailer was definitely the the vision that impressed me the most from the trailers that i watched um but overall not really moving the needle for me this gamescom list of uh reveals and and information it's it's mostly stuff we are gonna see very soon anyway it's it's definitely you know not gonna eat jeff Keeley's summer games fest lunch or whatever else is um he's working on the the game awards like i think those those events are getting more of the bigger reveals there's some smaller stuff that's been announced here i guess but yeah nothing really that's got people losing their minds at gamescom the the fallout tv teaser is probably the thing i'm most interested in and it wasn't Mm. like like published beyond the people that were in that room so i'm sure it will it'll officially make its way to um socials like in the next uh month or two you wouldn't think they would produce something like that just for gamescom but uh, i've long been a proponent of a fallout tv series thinking that that would be a really great format for the for a fallout story so very keen to see what amazon does with uh the wasteland yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for that. Like, I, I'm in 100% agreeing with you. Like, it is going to be a perfect medium to tell a Fallout story. And if they can do this over many seasons with a high high production value and a, and a big old budget, I think it's going to be a good old time. So, mm. yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, but like outside of like that list we, we rattled off there as far as what was shown or highlighted at the, at the Gamescom, uh, opening night live event like the only ones that we didn't know about already was mostly like killing floor three was announced and little nightmares three mm. outside of that we we know or have heard of or seen something about every other game we mentioned so yeah it was certainly a bit of a missed opportunity to have a couple of really big hero moments stand out and the sad thing is the thing that stands out the most is that idiot that rushed the stage and was carrying on about yeah. wanting to play gta 6 like that's the only story that well, it's the only thing that went viral, really, was that. It wasn't like, yeah. hey, check out this amazing trailer or check out this amazing interview. It was an opportunity for Phil Spencer to get up there and say a few things, I guess, and for Todd Howard to get up there and promise a few things. So, you know, if you're a fan of a particular game or interested in a particular game, it was probably a good opportunity to learn more, um, whether that be Alan Wake or 
Modern Which Warfare 3. Which did look 3. really good. Like, I'm I'm super excited for Alan Wake 2. Like, it looks mm. awesome. Yeah, they kind of revealed the, the use of the, the live action footage being spliced through there, which is interesting. I don't know if it will work, but it's, yeah. it's the kind of thing you would expect from Remedy. They, they've tampered with it in, the, in control already. So, yeah, keen to see how it all plays out. Well, it's all forming this broader universe, right? And I, I feel it's inevitable till we get a, a TV or a movie crossover if we're, they're starting to plant <laughs> seeds like that. And I'd be down like yeah. for either of those worlds to make its way to the small or the big screen. It would be a hell of a spectacle. Uh, Quantic Dreams published Under the Waves is actually one of those smaller titles that I'm interested in. It was announced at Gamescom last year. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah... Kind of, kind of cool concept. It's like an underwater Firewatch to me. It's third person. So you're scuba diving. You're on a on a radio to to someone. It's got that kind of Firewatch dynamic, and it looks like it's a very narrative driven. So that's the kind of thing that tickles my fancy. As far as it looks stunning. Yeah, it looks stunning, and it's coming out like very soon. Hmm. Might have to try and get my hands on it. Yeah, and and. If it is Firewatch underwater, sign me the hell up because Firewatch <laughs> in in the mountains was special. So let's let's move it to another location if we can do it again. Take my money, yeah. take my money. But uh, somewhere that is not going to be taking my money is Sony <laughs> with this next bit of news. And uh, Sony have recently, like they recently unveiled its upcoming handheld device, previously known as Project Q. It has now been officially named PlayStation Portal. And it's priced at 199 USD, or if we're going to translate that from US to AUD, it's 310. We don't have the official local price yet from JB or EB at time of recording, but just with the conversion, 310 bucks. Which, like some of the people are saying, it's surprisingly affordable no, and said to be no not way at it's all. not. And, and we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll deep dive on this very shortly. So yeah, 310 AUD. The device supports an 8-inch 1080p 60Hz LCD screen and incorporates adaptive triggers and haptic feedback for a DualSense controller-like experience. PlayStation Portal is designed to stream games via Wi-Fi from a connected PS5 console, making it a companion device for the PS5 rather than a standalone handheld. Sony envisions it as a solution for gamers sharing a living room TV or playing in different rooms of the house. The device can play supported games from the connected PS5 and uses the DualSense controller, but it does not support PSVR 2 games or cloud stream games from PlayStation Plus Premium. Sony also announced the Pulse Explore wireless earbuds. They're going to be priced at $109.99 or roughly $310 AUD. And they feature dual microphones and advanced noise cancellation. The Pulse Elite headset also was uh, showcased a little bit more detail, and that is priced at 150 USD, or with the conversion, $232 AUD. And it is an over-the-ear headset for PS5 with lossless audio, a retractable boom microphone, AI-enhanced noise cancellation, and a charging hanger. Both headsets use planar magnetic drivers and incorporate PlayStation Link wireless technology for low latency, lossless audio, and easy switching between the PS5, USB adapter, and PlayStation Portal. Additionally, there's also an option to purchase a standalone PlayStation Link USB adapter for lossless and low latency audio on PC and Mac. So JP, I could not care less about any of these devices. I thought, I will say that the Pulse Explore wireless earbuds, they do look very nice. 
I do respect and appreciate a good sense, uh, a good set of small in-ears. I think they're stunning and it's nice to sort of see a Sony or a Microsoft finally make not entry-level cheap shit audio equipment to accompany their consoles, which has been pretty much a constant for decades now. So it's nice to see them take it a little bit more seriously, but I'm not going to buy the in-ears or the over-ears because I run AT because it's the best, love your Audio-Technica. But also jumping back to the first point, I don't understand the PlayStation portal at all, at all. Like (laughs) we've both got backbones. We can both stream our PlayStation 5 games to our phone and use a backbone and get 95% of the experience. We don't get the DualSense-like feedback from a backbone controller. But outside of that, we get all the other functions and we can play it anywhere. We're not just stuck on the local Wi-Fi at home. I don't understand this, JP. And 310 bucks? What? I don't get it. It's, yeah, I mean, I understand why it exists. If, if, If they had come out with this before the backbone kind of took off, then maybe it's something that would have interested me. But the fact that it is so limited in what it can do, the fact that it's so expensive without giving you that extra functionality. I'm not sure who's really going to be jumping on this apart from perhaps the diehard PlayStation fans. I mean, I'm You're a, a diehard I'm, PlayStation I'm a, yeah, fan. Yeah, I'm a diehard PlayStation <laughs> fan, but I'm also, you know, I don't just go out and buy anything that, that you know, that they put out. Um, I haven't got PSVR 2, for example, and... Well, it doesn't support it anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's just another thing that they've put out that, you know, there's been a couple of questionable moves by PlayStation as far as the hardware goes. There's been controversy about how well-supported PSVR 2 is. There's this device that doesn't seem to have an audience for, for what it is and... I don't know. I think they need to be a bit more ahead of the game. They feel a little bit behind the game with with this particular controller. And if you're going to get it, it is really because you want to sit on the couch and watch Netflix while you are playing, you know, Rocket League or whatever, I think, with Which your... Which you can do with the backbone for a third of the price. It's, it's not... a flawless experience with the backbone though that's the thing is you know when i'm on my backbone i'm constantly frustrated that i if i want to you know check my social media or get a text or take a phone call i gotta like reconnect to the you know the, the console again through the app it doesn't kind of remember where you were in that sense you have to it disconnects every time you minimize the yeah there's, there's no background running capability yes, exactly so the, it, there's no multitasking when it comes to the, the backbone connection so that's one of the things that frustrates me the most about the backbone um but you're right like it, it's something that has limited use and i'm sure there's some people out there where they're like very excited because this is exactly what they want but not me not you uh, not a lot of people from the response that i so and the price it's like and I get it like a dual sense is what 110 bucks or something so it's an extra 200 bucks for the screen is that mm. a good deal I don't know probably not seems a bit much 
Yeah, JP, you could buy a, a higher resolution mobile phone, like a, scre- a mobile phone that has a higher res screen on it and just use that as your backbone <laughs> device. Don't even worry about a plan. Buy a secondhand iPhone or Android phone, slam your, slam your backbone on there and yeah. away you go to have to worry about minimizing. Then you can have your usual phone. It's almost like, you know, right. it's it's the, the dual phone drug dealer thing without dealing with <laughs> drugs. You're just playing games on it. So yeah, I don't get it, man. And I saw a surprising amount of people on my X feed uh, saying that this is great and it's well-priced. And I'm like, what? Are you high? Like, I'm the king of wasting money on shit. Yep. And I have no incentive to waste any money on any of these devices, especially the PlayStation Portal, because it makes no sense to me. But I'm happy for the people that do love this idea and are going to play many hours of it on their couch or in their bedroom or whatever the ultimate goal is with this, but it's just not Mm. for me or for you, JP. Well, we'll see. We'll see if the photos start coming out uh, of people loving their PlayStation portals. I'm sure we'll see, you know, Betson will be out there with his PlayStation portal and a couple of other PlayStation diehards, but not, not this guy. No, or this guy. Like the fact that it's limited to to local Wi-Fi in-house or in-building with your PlayStation mm. really hampers the appeal for this to me. But happy for everyone else out there that think this is a great idea for Sony. I just do not understand it. And something else I do not understand, JP, is this next bit of news, which I've titled Bio Beware. Game developer Bioware has announced a workforce reduction of around 20%, which equates to approximately 50 employees as part of their strategy to become a more agile and focused studio. The company's general manager, Gary McKay, stated that this change is essential to adapt to the evolving industry, improve creativity, and establish a clear project vision before full development. Despite the layoffs, Bioware remains committed to ongoing projects, including Dragon Age Dreadwolf and the next Mass Effect game. The restructuring aims to provide affected employees with internal opportunities across other electronic art studios, although not everyone may secure a new role within the company. The goal of the restructuring is to ensure Bioware's future health and its ability to deliver high-quality single-player games. My God, the, the messaging and, and the bullshit puff that Gary yeah. McKay put in sort of his quotes that accompanied all this, I'm like, you couldn't be more wrong in your phrasing and you couldn't be more off the appropriate messaging here, Gary McKay and Bioware. Like, what are you doing? I think they must have fired their PR person as one of those layoffs yeah. because this doesn't make any sense. As someone who works in marketing and has written these types of statements not for redundancies but you know bad news in with a good spin even still i can see like no you've just completely missed the mark there's how do you shrink a studio to make it more agile how do you shrink a studio to to make it more creative to make Mm. it uh yeah to improve creativity to adapt to the evolving industry like typically you'd grow to do that not shrink uh and when you look at you know the nuance of this in the the fact of who they actually have got rid of some of the people include uh mary kirby who's who's been a writer there since dragon age origins in 2006 Uh, lucas chris jansen who's been a writer with them since boulders gate we're talking the mid 90s like he's the writer behind joker in the mass effect games and a lot of stuff since then so 
it's it's the it's the talented creative people that have been shown the door. Mary Kirby's the writer of of uh, Dragon Age Dreadwolf, which is you know it's coming out. Obviously, the script's been finished, the writing's yeah. been handled, and they don't need her anymore. But um, yeah, like when you when you're firing the people that are the narrative powerhouse behind your biggest games and what you're known for, which is that amazing branching storytelling. What's your next game going to be? What's the the next Mass Effect going to be without these very experienced writing staff? Is it going to be written by the juniors that, that are cheaper to, to keep on, on deck rather than these experienced um, staff? It's very worrying. AI, baby. They're investing oh, in AI. <laughs> it's, it's very <laughs> concerning. Um, I know that, Electronic Arts announced 800 layoffs in March. Maybe this is part of that, but not too many weeks ago, they also posted a quarterly profit of $400 million, which is up nearly 30% from the previous 12 months. It makes you wonder why it's necessary to shrink by such a large degree. And, you know, the, the, the way that Bioware has kind of been spiraling for the past 10 years doesn't give you much confidence in what they're doing when they're trying to cut back and and put the push this kind of narrative that uh yeah it's it's going to make them better it's going to make them stronger more agile more focused like what do you gonna think? make them worse man yeah. it's going to make them far worse like losing powerhouses and stalwarts of a company that's been there for decades that help write some of the best stories that they've ever released makes no sense to me. Like it's clearly just they wanna they wanna get well they want to be more profitable by reducing their their employee number by twenty percent. And some of the people you mentioned that have been there for a good long while would usually mean they're probably on a on a pretty decent pay pack. Like I'm not saying that I know their earnings, but mm. typically the people that have been there the longest are usually earning a good amount of money. So it's easy to show a bit of yeah. growth and a little bit more profitability by by chopping your workforce by 20%. So that's what then, this is about. Yeah. It's not about being more <laughs> agile and focused. Like that's a load of shit. Like Gary and McKay, the, <laughs> yeah. They're, they're saying like it's going to provide employees with in, internal opportunities across other EA studios. Why, why would you call it um, a red... Like why would you announce it as a as cutting jobs if they're just being moved to a different EA studio? There's a... There would be a better way to 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 sell that if it was true. Yeah, people people get moved around studios all the time without it being a big kerfuffle. We've seen these people on social media saying like, "Hey, looking for work, been in the industry for thirty years. If anyone's got yeah. any writing jobs, we know that they haven't been shifted to you know Massive Entertainment or some other EA studio. They've just been shown the door, or they haven't taken up on." offers that may have been offered we don't know yeah but uh it, it doesn't look like it was a simple kind of yeah it wasn't like internal. hey we've got 50 other jobs across all these other studios we're just going to retrench you there, there might be two or three vacancies that they can backfill with some of these now yeah. former bioware employees but yeah i'd say for the most part everyone's just out on the street which is gross and something you mentioned that I just want to circle back and rubber stamp even further is, yeah, Bioware have been on a downward spiral for a good long while. Like you and I are, I wouldn't say Bioware apologists by any means, but like <laughs> I, I hold a lot of what they've done very near and dear to my heart. I adore some of those franchises and 
They've just been having far more misses than hits now for a good long while, and it's worrisome to know what may or may not happen with this next Dragon Age game or this next Mass Effect game because I love both of those franchises, and you know, Andromeda was a bit of a hot mess, to say the least. So I'm scared. Mm. I am very skeptical as far as the level of quality we're going to get with Dreadwolf and Mass Effect 4 or whatever they're going to call it. Yeah. But yeah, Bioware they they're not they haven't been good for a while. Like obviously we haven't even touched on Anthem and the misfire that that was. But mm. yeah, I, they've been I, they've yeah. been sliding down <laughs> for many moons now. I had um I had some fun with Anthem. Like I actually enjoyed the game and it didn't reach its potential obviously and wasn't everyone's cup of tea, but when they announced that they were going to kind of like retool it and relaunch it and do this whole cyberpunk slash no man's sky approach to kind of salvage what it wasn't at the release i was excited about that idea and then they just kind of actually no we're not going to do that the game's for sale for three dollars pretty much every week yeah um so even going back to that which was probably what 2016 17 around that time sounds about right yeah yeah and you know the dragon age series i've tried to get into and it's not for me but Mass Effect, you know, it's, it's. I think it's hard to find bigger two fans than, than you and I when it comes to, to that series. And that extends to, you know, the disappointment in Andromeda and the hopes that they'll be able to get it back on track. Um, so, yeah, I, I just don't know. I would have been, you know, a week ago, much more confident and excited about future Mass Effects. But now I'm just very... <sighs> I'm almost, and I, I rarely fit into this camp, but I'm almost like, don't touch it, leave it alone, because I don't want you to ruin it. I don't want another Andromeda. I, yeah, it's it's a tough one. It is a tough one, but it's it's worrisome knowing that they're now running at eighty percent capacity after losing twenty percent of their staff. It's very mm. concerning to know what's going to happen, not only with those games, but this this studio moving forward. So yeah. uh, and, we'll and those see. those staff will they'll land somewhere where they're wanted and they'll do fantastic things at other studios because they're very talented. Well, the, at least the, the writing staff that we know of who've who've been let go. We don't really know who else is involved in that, but yeah, I have no doubt that uh, their experience on these great releases will will put them in a good spot to to do good work elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So, uh, yeah, wish everyone that was uh, let go this past week from Bioware all the best. And, yeah, we hope nothing but the best for you in the future. But, yeah, Bioware, EA, be better, do better. And stop with this fake bullcrap PR spin that they're trying to do as far as making the you know the business is going to be more focused and they're, they're concerned about the future health and the ability to deliver high-quality games. Blah, get in the bin, all of that stuff. But something that we don't definitely want to get in the bin is this. Miss Allie Hart's Carousel of Chaos. All right, listeners, we are back for another iteration of Miss Allie Hart's Carousel of Chaos. And this week, JP, I'm going to be putting you through a quiz because I want to know if you are a real gamer. <laughs> so I've grabbed a quiz here online. Annoyingly, the one I had saved looked like it was time-based. It was one off news.com.au and I'm like, this would be fun because it's, you know, mainline news with probably surface-level dumb questions. 
Sadly, they cycled that out and I yeah. tried to find it and whatever else, but I've had to do some digging and I've found a quiz over at Beano.com, JP. <laughs> Beano.com. Okay. I found another one on Go to Quiz, but it's like 35 questions. So I want to be respectful yeah. to the listeners okay. and I thought that's a little too dense. So I've got 13 slash 14 questions because there is a double up on one. So I'll just put the same answer in there twice. But I want sure. to test your gaming might and see if you're a real or a fake gamer boy, JP. Are you okay. ready? I'm ready. I'm nervous. All right. Question number one. What is Luigi's favorite food? Is it sausages and mash, pizza, cheese toasties, or roast beef? Gosh. We're talking about Luigi from the Super Mario Brothers franchise. What is his favorite food? Based on what? Wait, is this a canon thing? Does he have a favorite I assume food? so. Oh, yeah. Look, I'm just going to go stereotypical Italian and say pizza because I okay. don't know. All right, we've locked in pizza. The next question. When was the PlayStation 5 released? January of 2020, June of 2020, November of 2020, or January 2021? You said PlayStation 5, didn't you? I did indeed, yes. Can I have the options again? You sure can. January 2020, June 2020, November 2020 or January 2021? Uh, this is a tough... This feels like a trick question because <laughs> I didn't think it was any of those options. Um, it was... Uh, was August one of the options? <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs> June? June? January, June or November of 2020 or January of 2021? far out man i'm gonna say <laughs> november but all right so november yeah, yeah. 2020 we'll lock that in all right the next question what was the first commercially successful video game pong donkey kong country super mario brothers or shack fu pong all right shack fu <laughs> yeah that was like 1994 yeah sure yeah. okay Alright, the next question. What is the best-selling video game of all time? Red Dead Redemption 2, FIFA 18, Minecraft, or Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2? Or Modern, Minecraft. Modern Warfare 3, sorry. I thought it was Tetris, but that wasn't an option, so I'll say Minecraft. Like, I can't validate all of these answers here, <laughs> but uh, on, and the questions that they are accompanied by. Alright, what inspired games maker Satoshi Tajiri to create Pokemon? Was it a dream? Butterflies, an old TV show, or his mum? What inspired game maker Satoshi Tajiri to create Pokemon? I think it was catching bugs, so I'll say butterfly. Okay, all right, select butterfly. I'm going to describe this character, and you have to then name it based off these four answers. So the four right. answers, Marvin the Martian, Bomberman, Ben Folds, or Sir Michael Redgrave. All right, so okay. this character in question... In like a ninja garb, white headpiece, little pinky red hand slash gloves. Yeah, white and blue ninja garb. You can only see their little eyes. Red that's gloves. Bo that's pinky Bomberman. red gloves. Is it Marvin the Martian, Bomberman, Ben Folds, or Sir Michael Redgrave? <laughs> it's, it's Bomberman. Okay. I, I We're going <laughs> to... Yeah, I think <laughs> these, these like the the answers they're throwing around here are getting worse as I scroll down. It started pretty straight laced, and it's getting absurd. All right, the next question, JP: What is a frag? The number of things you have killed in a game, a cheat code, a French bag, 
a burrowing marsupial that lives in the South Australian outback and feeds on grubs, rocks, and dice. <laughs> what is frag, JP? <laughs> Tell me what a frag is. What was option two? <laughs> a cheat code. Oh. I'm not familiar with this nomenclature. Oh. I'm not a PC nerd or whatever. Oh. Um... <laughs> A French bag, a French. Yeah, I, I'm gonna rule. I'm gonna do the old like, who wants to be a millionaire 50-50 on myself okay. and, and rule out French bag and uh, marsupial. <laughs> so it's it's either a cheat code or a kill count. I'll just go with locking A, Eddie. You going with the number of things you have killed in a game? Sure, why not? Or a cheat code? You tell me. That sure was very non-committal. I mean, yeah. I've, like I've never heard f frag used as a replacement for cheat code, so I'm gonna have to just by default give it the first one. Okay, all right. But probably wrong. But all right. The the next one for some reason they've doubled up on the questions about the best selling video game of all time, but then just shuffled and added ones in. So I'm just <laughs> gonna click Minecraft there again for you. Yep. What is the armored vehicle in Halo called? Sir Killalot, Bashor, Rocksteady, or Warthog? It's it's <laughs> it's warthog. Okay, we're yes. gonna lock in warthog. All right. What was Sonic the Hedgehog's original name? Ooh. Fast Blue Hedgehog, Colin the Hedgehog, Mister Needlemouse, or Stephen? <laughs> uh, that that one's not so easy. Uh, <laughs> what was the first one? <laughs> Fast Blue Hedgehog. Colin the Hedgehog, Mr. Needle Mouse, or Steven. Mm. Yeah, who knows? Like in Japan, I, I have I have read or listened to the first half of Console Wars, but I don't recall them covering this. You don't remember them name dropping Mr. Needle Mouse or Colin the Hedgehog? Hmm. Colin, hey. Uh, let's go, Mr. Needle Mouse. It sounds All like right. something that translates that Sega would have done back yeah. in the dough alright Mr. Needlemouse alright the next question what is the name of Ratchet's killer robot friend Clank Clunk Bonk or Bungo <laughs> Clank you sure it's not, not Bonk not or clunk. Bungo yeah alright third last question UK versions of FIFA 2001 were on a smell the pitch scratch and sniff disc true or false wow smell the pitch it's almost like so bizarre that it has to be true so yeah why not you're gonna go true okay <laughs> so all right the next question what is the fictional language in the sims simian simlish somali or cemento what was the first one simian simlish somali or cemento uh, either simian or simlish I'm going to go Simeon. going to go Simeon? Yeah. And the last question. How many PlayStation 4 consoles have been sold? 5 million, 56 million, 62.5 million, or over 102 million PlayStation 4s? Uh, that's a tough one, man. Because I know it's a lot. I know it's either the 60 or the 100, but I'm going to feel dumb if I get this wrong. Uh, yeah, I'll go over a hundred. 
I'll go for it. Right, I'm, so I'm pretty sure. 102 million? Yeah. Okay. I'll go for it. All right. So that's the final. Hopefully it works and I just click through and then it gives you like some gamer cred. We're going to find out. All right. Don't ruin us, Beano. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Your gaming knowledge, JP. It's pretty good. You scored 13 out of 14 oh, with the incorrect answer coming on the second last hurdle where the fictional language in The Sims <laughs> is Simlish, not Simian. Okay. And anyone that's played The Sims or hasn't played The Sims, it's like they're like, <laughs> like that's, that's Simlish. Pretty, pretty, pretty accurate, yes. I think, right there. Yeah, sure. So I can't believe that Sonic the Hedgehog's original name was Mr. Needlemouse, by the way. No, that's... That's why I know that the early versions of him had him playing electric guitar and wearing like a leather jacket. It was a very like, you know, Japanese image of what Americans think is cool. Mm -hmm. um, but they thankfully ditched the name and the leather jacket and the electric guitar. Nice. Nice. So, circling back on a few of the others that sort of stumped you for a little while, the PlayStation 5 was originally yep. released in, uh, like here in Australia, on the 12th of November. And then, like, we got the broader worldwide release on November the 19th. Mm -hmm. But various other regions, like, uh, you know, India got it in February of 2022, Vietnam in March, China in May of 2021. Oh, not 2022, of 2021 for all three of those ones I just mentioned. So, mm -hmm. yeah, you'll bang on there. And as far as playstation 4 consoles currently sold we are at 117 million at the moment nice. which is insane to think about obviously the playstation 2 has sold over 155 million units as well so uh onwards and upwards there for sony but jp i would say that you are a real gamer you are a real gamer i just can't i'm just gonna kick myself for the for that one i missed though brendan i'm so close to perfect you were very close to perfect, but not Simeon as opposed to Simlish was your downfall. But you know what? Don't dwell on that. Don't sort of reflect on the negative and the past now. Let's think about the future. And that is... The week that's yet to come, presented by Dash Water. Shout out to Dash Water. Delicious, delicious, tasty beverages. But sadly, I drank my last can here. I mistimed my, uh, my monthly care drop of, of two slabs of Dash. So I'm just drinking... Normal tap water here, JP, like the nice common boys that we are in our bottles. We just cheered each other through the uh, the webcam. But yeah, as far as things that are coming out this coming week that could be worth your time or money, you want to go to the movies, you can check out The Equalizer 3 or The Haunted Mansion. You want to stay home and watch some stuff. The One Piece live action adaptation is dropping over there on Netflix this coming week as well. As far as games coming out, we've got mm. the second episode of Tall Tales, which is known as The Quest for Guybrush, and that is the Monkey Island crossover. So that is continuing there over on Sea of Thieves. Goodbye Volcano High is coming out this week, which I'm actually excited to play. College, horny, dinosaur people. I'm all for that. Uh, Samba de Amigo, Party Central is coming out this week. Sea of Stars, Under the Waves, Trine 5, A Clockwork Conspiracy, Somerville, as well as early access to Starfield as of September the 1st, if you've bought the particular edition, which will allow you early access to Starfield. Otherwise, if it's just general population, you've got to wait till the next week. But JP, there's plenty of things coming out this week to watch and play and enjoy. I still can't believe they've made a third Equalizer movie as well as the goddamn TV spin-off with like Queen Latifah 
playing the Equalizer. Like, this is a franchise that cannot be killed, just like Denzel Washington, apparently. They were talking about uh, Denzel's son doing a prequel. Uh, Oh, yeah. He's a good actor, too. He is, yeah. So I yeah I I really like the Equalizer movies. I I'm actually I'm not going to watch it in the cinema. I did watch the first two in the cinema, but things are different now. I got two kids now. Um special occasions only when I go to the movies. But um yeah, I'll watch that on Netflix or wherever it drops when it does. So give me that. Uh I'm interested as I said in Under the Waves, but it's probably going to have to wait because Sea of Stars is one that I've been very excited for, and I wish it came out like this week. I would have been playing it for the past five days instead of falling asleep on the couch. Um, I'm very interested. Like I'm one of the games that I'm writing for is a Japanese style RPG, so I'm interested mm-hmm. to see how well it does. Hopefully, there's a big appetite for this kind of thing. It's very, it's kind of like a modern take on the retro style turn-based rpg so very flashy really cool lighting effects really cool kind of handling of of modernizing that that old school kind of final fantasy looking game i'm I'm keen to see how they do and you know unfortunately it's a bit close to starfield for my liking but um it's something i might have to come back to as well as uh under the waves Mm, good assortment of little indie gems dropping this week to uh, mm. cleanse our palates leading up to Starfield the following week. So, uh, yeah, plenty of things to play, a few things to watch. I'll check out the One Piece live action adaptation, see how that goes, see if it hits harder than the, <laughs> the anime that I'm currently working through. Is it going to spoil the anime for you, though? Probably, probably. Yeah, you don't So care. that is something I need to, to weigh up uh, beforehand, but we'll see. But... Yeah, I'm wondering how many creative ways Denzel Washington hurts people in The Equalizer 3. I still remember like the pool ball from the first one where he runs roughshod with some people with just like the balls off a pool table. Like, oh, yeah, it's great. Every time I go to Bunnings, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> could take out a few people in here. <laughs> <laughs> Denzel style. Yeah, it's he's, he's just a dude, Denzel. And yeah, so yeah, even though Denzel. he's older these days, he'd still kick both our asses at the same time jp mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. i am sure and something else that i'm sure of is that this is the end of episode 332 of thg jp anything you wanted to shout out before we got in out oh, before we get on out of here <laughs> uh follow us on threads we you know brendan pimps the social handles at the top of the episode but we're on threads eight bits on threads we are eight bit and uh trying you know trying to get things going on the new platform the less toxic platform so uh yeah i'm having a fun time over there but it's kind of like one of those parties where you're just kind of waiting for a few more people to arrive it's uh, not quite popping off yet mm. so yeah hopefully yeah. hopefully it's time will come it do- i know it does have uh pc slash desktop support now so you can log into your threads account and mm. thread to your heart's content from the web browser in your in your computer room so that's that's a plus but yeah, at we are 8 bit on all the socials, including threads. I'm at Brendan8Bit on all the socials, including threads. And Jono is at Jono himself on all of those socials, including threads. But yeah, that is the end of episode 332 of THG. Until next time, 8-Bit Nation, much love and stay hungry.
so crunchy. 